Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Today's message is understanding the assignment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be your mouthpiece for this small moment in time. Let your words, let your purpose, your wisdom be what comes through today. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. So before we jump into this short message for the day, I wanna take a quick moment to see how many of us are familiar with this whole Pathfinder and Adventurer Club thing. Raise your hands if you were, at one time in your life, involved in Pathfinders or Adventurers. Most of us, all right. Now, it's okay if you raise your hand here, but raise your hand if you have no idea what this is all about. All right, there are some of us. All right, well, fear not, I came prepared. Basically, the origins of the whole Pathfinder and Adventure movement came all about because of scouting. We've all heard of the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, founded in 1910 and 1912, respectively. Now, neither of those scouting organizations are affiliated with any specific religion, but they do promote a belief in and a duty to God. So different churches over the years started to create their own versions. The Royal Ambassadors from the Southern Baptist Church was founded in 1908. The Catholics opened up the Columbian Squires in 1925. Caravan was started by the Church of the Nazarene in 1946. Awana is non-denominational, almost the biggest of the, these I'm gonna quote, started in 1950. The Calvinist Cadet Corps in 1952 by the Calvinist. Royal Rangers from the Assembly of God in 1962. The Adventure Corps from the Salvation Army in 1983. And then for us Adventists, we had something called the Missionary Volunteer Society, which started way back in 1907. That transitioned slowly into Pathfinders in 1947. Now, did you know that the first Pathfinder Club of record was actually founded in Anaheim, California in the 1920s? It started in Orange County. In 1930, a club also sprouted in Santa Ana. Both of these clubs were in the Southeastern California Conference. In 1946, John Hancock, who was the youth director of Southeastern, got another club going in Riverside, California. He was the one that designed that triangle emblem. About the same time, the Central California Conference began their own pathfinding program, which started 23 clubs in the first year. And then in 1950, it became an official worldwide organization within these, uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church and grew rapidly. Pathfinding now is a global ministry affecting millions of youth worldwide. In 
Now, the intention of this is a development and a progression in spiritual development, social skills, and leadership capacity, ushering a young person through their childhood and adolescence. Adventurers typically take us all the way through fourth grade. Pathfinding kicks in in late elementary school and into middle school. Teen leadership, just still a part of Pathfinders, but they specifically focus on high schooling, high schoolers. And then Master Guide is the ultimate epitome. Uh, and that basically focuses more on youth and young adults. Although there is no age requirement for Master Guide. So adventurers, if you want to go straight to Master Guide, technically, you get the badges, you, you, you can. Now the Adventurer Club, it was created to assist parents in their important responsibilities as a child's primary teacher and evangelizer. The program aims to strengthen the child-parent relationship and to further the child's development in spiritual, physical, mental, and social areas. Through the, or sorry, through the Adventure Program, church, home, and school can work together with the parents to develop and mature a mature and happy child. Now, the Adventure Levels start off with Little Lamb, Eager Beaver, Busy Bee, Sunbeam, Builder, and Helping Hand. Now, from the adventures here, how many of you are Little Lambs? Do we know Little Lambs? See some hands? What about, who are the Eager Beavers? I see some Eager Beavers. Busy Bee? Two of you. Sunbeams? Oh, a bunch of sunbeams, all right. Builders? One builder, all right. And any helping hands? All right. Let's give them a hand. After Adventurer, obviously, you pass along to Pathfinder, which offers a wide range of activities, including, but not limited to, camping and camping survival skills, grade-appropriate leadership programs and training, activities promoting community pride and involvement with outreach activities, and interactive training in a variety of recreational, artistic, nature, conservation, vocational, and outreach activities, along with a lot of awards, they call them honors, for given a successful completion of these interactive modules. Their progression looks like this. You start off with friend. Do we have any friends out there in Pathfinders? Most of them are friends. Then you progress to companion, explorer, ranger, voyager. Oh, we got a couple of voyagers. And guide. Oh, all right. The guides are about to push over to the next level. But before I go there, Let's give them a hand. The final step is Master Guide. That was the uniform that you saw Pastor come up here with. The Master Guide Ministry is a development and mentoring program for young youth leadership within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Being a Master Guide grants you responsibilities more than just status. 
The Master Guide Ministry was developed to train and develop leaders for the church, but in specifically for youth ministry. Master Guides continue with the highest level of invested leadership within the Pathfinder and Adventurer programs, and it's focusing on one's personal spiritual life and growth. The general leadership skills are woven into their skills, gearing towards understanding God's nature, outreach ministry, service to others, and a lifestyle denoting healthy living. One church leader of the past put it simply, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. As leaders must not only be good at spouting theory, but if we expect to see success with our youth ministry, we must live what we preach and demonstrate it. Now returning to the main message of the day, understanding the assignment. For you, the youth and future of mankind, you need to understand the assignment. For those that are not familiar with that reference, I Understand the Assignment is a song by musical artist Tay Money released on streaming platforms in September of 2021. And no, my impressionable young people, I will not be playing a sample for you here. And I would not suggest you play it at home either. The song had a large amount of success on TikTok where it was used by people trying to show off their accomplishments or sometimes criticized failures for those that they said did not understand the assignment. Understand the assignment is now a phrase that is used to acknowledge someone who has done an exceptional job or exceeded expectations. It simply means that the person given the task did exactly what was supposed to be done, hence understanding the assignment. So today I take aim at the question, do our youth understand the assignment? And I found this shirt that says, teachers always understand the assignment because they wrote the syllabus. And luckily, we have our own syllabus to look at when we're trying to figure out what this assignment of Christianity is all about. So I'm going to have the congregation help me out with reading some of these verses. Let's read this together. This is from Matthew 6, 31-33 in the Revised Standard Version. It reads, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. So where's the assignment here? Seek God and his will first. 1 Corinthians 6.20 in the New Living Translation says, For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The assignment is to live and work for God's will first. Then we find some more information in Jeremiah. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Christ is seeking communion with us, with each one of you. He wants friendship. 
He wants to be close. He wants to know us. For that to happen, however, we need to be in regular communication. So prayer is part of the assignment. Matthew 10, 27 talks about Christ as a good shepherd, knowing his sheep. And in turn, the sheep, which is us, hearing his voice and responding. We typically follow the voice of those that we recognize. So if we're not putting in the time, we won't know his voice when he calls. Then we move to Matthew. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. So first, there's several commands here. First is go. You got to take action. Make disciples, baptizing and teaching. There are many ways to do this, but the most effective way, it's probably the easiest, is by living our lifestyles the way we should. Believers should teach Christ, but only use words when necessary. The life of the believer should be a living testimony of Christ, which encourages, uplifts, and leads others. Our lifestyle should be such that others want to have what we have, even without knowing exactly what it is. Our assignment is to make disciples out of people, regardless of nationality, gender, political affiliation, and they should be baptized. Last verse. In John 14, it says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do. The greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do the works that I do. And keep my commandments. In Mark 12, we learn that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And also, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater command than these. This is the assignment asking for us to do the works, which is sometimes more than just the belief. It does take action to be that symbol to others. So again, God gives us assignments to steward his divine purposes for our life. Sometimes his assignments don't make any sense, to us at least. Think about Noah. But we must obey them. Obedience releases a grace of faith that unlocks our destiny and fulfills our assignment. Today, adventurers and pathfinders, know this, that God has called you and has a plan for your life. The Lord has assigned an amazing purpose for each one of you. 
It can only be unlocked through your response to his assignments and developed over the course of your own spiritual life. One thing is certain, his assignments are meant to fulfill the words that Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, why are we alive on earth today? Why were we created and what were we created to do? What is our specific assignments on earth? We have to understand that God creates every person for a specific assignment while we're here. To do works ordained even before we were created. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. You are not on this earth, you're not at this church, by mistake. No person was born by mistake, it is the plan of God. In the Bible, God created every person to carry out a specific assignment while we are blessed to be here on earth. Just a few people that we can look at in the Bible are Moses. His assignment is to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. Joshua, he was meant to lead the children of Israel across the River Jordan into the Promised Land. David, he was tasked with shepherding and becoming a warrior for the children of Israel. Solomon's task was to complete the temple. Jeremiah's task, his assignment was to be a prophet. Jonah was supposed to take the repentance message to Nineveh. John the Baptist was assigned to be the voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus. And Paul, his assignment was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. All these people in the Bible accomplished their assignments on earth, and God gave them rest in his kingdom. You are alive on earth to carry out your assignment, your task, that God created and ordained you to do. When you know your specific assignment, you know the timings in your life. And when you finish it, you can proudly say, like Paul did in 2 Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. When you start living for what God created you for, your inheritance in heaven starts increasing and crowns start being prepared for you. Heaven starts rejoicing and celebrating and all of heaven and earthly resources are mobilized for you to help you accomplish your goals. Because God is waiting for you to realize what you're created to do and start doing it. So how do you know specifically what God is asking you to do? what your specific assignment is. First, when you delight in the Lord, he gives you your heart's desires. Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord that he may give you the desires of your heart. So listen to the desires of your heart. It is God who placed it in your heart for you to do and accomplish it. And it is the Lord who will fulfill those desires in you, not yourself. Psalms 145, 19 says, He will fulfill the desire for them that fear him. 
he will also hear their cry and save them. If we are truly going to be a bride of Christ, there's one desire in our heart which tends to overpower anything else. It's the most powerful feeling that you have. That is typically what God has created you to do. The desire that's in you is from God if it's about serving God through humanity and not yourself. God creates people to serve him through humanity, not to serve themselves. If it gives you joy and fulfillment, doing what you were created to do tends to give you happiness, joy and fulfillment in life that you cannot get anywhere else or through anything else on earth. Those are the kind of things that you can and would do even without being paid. But typically, God does reward those that follow his will. Accomplishing your desire, your heart's desire, sometimes will feel like it's beyond you. That's a good sign. If accomplishing the desire in your heart is beyond you, it's greater than you, it's definitely from God. If you can accomplish your heart's desire by yourself, that's a desire, but probably not the one that he created you to do. God creates every person for greatness and greatness beyond ourselves. Greatness beyond our own reach, but reachable only through the creator, Jesus Christ. Without him, you cannot achieve that same greatness. And fourth, you don't necessarily struggle accomplishing God's desire for your heart. Think back when God was leading the children of Israel in the wilderness to the promised land. He led them with an angel and a cloud that never departed them. The children of Israel just followed the cloud obediently. And when the enemy came, we see the cloud and the angel moving in the back of the group to protect them. We, being the church, are the children of Israel moving through the wilderness, which is this world, towards the promised land of heaven. When we were doing what we were created to do, those same angels and those clouds that he created are still parting the sea and allowing passage for us. God is always before you creating a way even when there seems to be no other way. But it is up to you to learn to follow him obediently. Something has been created for you to do and you have been created specifically to do it. You are uniquely created different than any other person on earth. So be yourself. You don't need to try to be anything except for you, authentically. You are not going to accidentally fulfill God's will for you. It doesn't happen unintentionally or by coincidence. Seeing God's will in your life means, first and foremost, finding out what you are uniquely purposed and created to do. Accomplishing the task that we are created for is a deliberate effort to find, follow, and fulfill God's will. It all comes down to finding your passion. Now, identifying your passion in life can be a process of self-discovery that involves exploring your interests, values, and skills. 
And here's some steps that may help you. First, pay attention to what makes you happy. Notice the activities or experiences that you just enjoy naturally. They give you excitement and a sense of fulfillment. These things could be volunteering, playing music, traveling, cooking, spending time in nature, whatever it is. What gives you authentic joy is something you want to start investigating to see, could this be attached to my purpose? Second, you want to start reflecting on your values. Think of the things that are most important to you. It could be family, helping others, making a difference in the world, or being creative. Consider how those things may align with your passions and values. Third, it's okay to try new things. Step outside of your comfort zone and experiment with new activities and hobbies. This can help you discover new passions and interests. Then you want to identify your skills. Consider the things that you are just naturally good at, the things that it was like you were born to do and that you also enjoy doing. Think about how these skills can help you pursue those passions. And lastly, seek inspiration. Read books, watch documentaries, attend events related to your interests. Connect with people who are passionate about those similar things and learn from them and their experiences. Remember that identifying your passion is a journey that may involve some trial and error. Be patient with yourself and allow yourself to explore different paths to find the one that feels right for you. When you hit your passion, when you hit your purpose, when you're in your assignment, you'll know it. It will feel like opening a gift that you don't deserve. For us older folk, it's not too late to look and find. God desires for us to excel and not to settle for anything less. The trick is to find an alignment, balance, and a harmony in your life. You want to find a wavelength that's uniquely yours. How do you think? How do you operate? Who you are? That creates a wavelength, a, a type of being, an energy that you emit. And then you want to make sure that that wavelength is complementary to that person Christ wants you to be. Then you find a passion project. You start your assignment that follows a similar wavelength. You can kind of see maybe that blue is your wavelength and the lighter blue, maybe that's the purposing that God has you with. And then you surround yourself with others in your community, at your school, in your church community that resonates along that same complementary wavelength that wraps up and continues that same shape. This is especially important when you start dating. You want to find that person whose wavelength, whose way of being is complementary to yours. 
You seek out those who resonate with you, whose wavelengths complement your own and don't clash or resonate against it. The wavelengths of our will should match the will of those around us. Those combined wavelengths we find that match with a spouse, friends, community. So that even though there are many strings, they all look like one seamless design. That's where you find harmony in life. You also want to be careful to figure out what's going to define you as a person. If what defines you in your life is not God-based, then what are we doing? It's only when what defines you and gives you self-worth is in his gifting that you find that happiness and fulfillment. Pathfinders, adventurers, the future is yours. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost are here with you. Your church is here for you. We are here with you and for you. And maybe we'll get some more patches sometime soon. But make us proud. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your word tells us to witness to others. We should look and act more like you as we grow in Christ. Lord, you said if we truly love you, we would feed your sheep. So the assignment is clear. Thank you, Lord, for trusting us with such an important task. Thank you, Lord, for providing us with the instruction manual that gives us everything we need to complete the task. Forgive us when we allow our own fear or laziness to prevent us from completing the assignment. But we thank you for the many opportunities you provide to redeem ourselves when we fall short of the mark. We thank you for being our perfect example, Jesus. We should be the change we want to see in others because our assignment is clear. So I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who truly understood his own assignment and completed it even unto death for sinners like us. There's no greater love than that. So Father, we love you, we adore you, we worship you and we thank you immensely for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for each life, each young life in this Pathfinder Adventure program that you've gifted this church with. In the name of Jesus, I pray.